and welcome back to another edition of WeatherWise from the Weather Center here at 47 ABC WMDT. We're based out of Salisbury, Maryland and cover the Delmarva Peninsula, uh, also the eastern shore of Maryland and Delaware, uh, all things weather. But we know we have a lot of listeners out there from the rest of the United States and worldwide, so we want to thank everybody for joining us. And we talk a little bit about weather here in our own community that we cover on the Delmarva Peninsula and the Mid-Atlantic region of the United States. But we like to get into stuff that's happening all over the country and all over the world, too. So want to do uh, thank you for joining us again. I'm Chief Meteorologist Rich Wardzik, and I'm here with... Meteorologist Ulysses Garcia. Yes, and um, we got a lot to talk about. we got a lot to talk about, kind of uh, a mixed bag uh, we've got the tropics that are active. We're going to talk about uh, Alex here in just a moment. Uh, the first named storm of the Atlantic's hurricane season. The nice weekend we had, but the uh, kind of the deceiving look of the nice weekend we had that are related to Alex. We'll talk about what's uh, been more of our concern from a danger standpoint for being out at the beach. We're going to do a roundup of the storms that happened here across the area in the past uh, week since we last spoke. And Ulysses is going to talk about something really cool that he does, uh, not only for the TV, but something we have on our website at WMDT.com. We have a uh, listener question to get to, and we'll talk about how you can email us your questions and also some social media stuff that's all coming up. But let's get to the first order of business here. Tropical Storm Alex, the first named storm of the Atlantic season. Obviously, it's early <laughs> since we're talking about early June. And in the mid-Atlantic portion of the United States, we typically don't worry about tropical systems this early in the season, but it's already starting to seem that this is going to be an anomaly and, and it could be a very active season. So Ulysses, uh, you know, take it away. What have you been seeing? You worked all weekend and, and tracked this storm as it developed into the first named storm. So yeah, so I know like even last week as we were tracking it and remember this was actually, you know, this is all formed from the remnants of Agatha, which was in the Eastern Pacific the weekend prior and it made landfall in Mexico. And then uh, you know, throughout the week, National Hurricane Center started giving it a higher chance of development, and it did. But the problem with um, potential tropical cyclone one before it became Alex was that it um, it was really just a very disorganized system. It was a lot of dry air, a lot of wind shear had to battle, and it made its way through Florida as a potential tropical cyclone. But it still brought a good amount of rain to Florida, and I'll talk about the rainfall totals in a second. It wasn't until a 2 a.m. advisory on Sunday during the intermediate advisory, during that advisory is when it officially became Tropical Storm Alex. And what's interesting about it is I looked at it throughout our uh, Sunday is that it actually continued to increase in strength. It was actually getting stronger. It topped out at 70 miles an hour as we made our way towards the 11 o'clock advisory on Sunday. Going into Monday, it's still holding together as a tropical storm on Monday, but the models and the National Hurricane Center agree that this is going to, it's quickly weakening and it quickly becoming a post-tropical cyclone because it's going to get absorbed by a front and a low. So, uh, but yeah, what's interesting about Alex is the fact that it was just how long of a time it was just being very disorganized. And that's really the moral thing we got to keep about, uh, the key thing we got to keep about when it comes to this hurricane season is that um, regardless if it does become a tropical depression or a hurricane or a tropical storm is that this thing was a rainmaker in Florida. So even here on Del Marba, when we get like remnants or just moisture from the tropics, anytime we get that type of energy here, um, you want to be prepared for it. And that's something that in Miami, uh, you know, some people were prepared for it, but there was a good amount of flooding. I saw videos on social media throughout the weekend of the flooding situation, how bad it was. And I think even there were some videos where 
you can even see like animals coming out of them, you know, right out of the sewers. But when it comes to rainfall totals, um, I'm actually from parts of South Florida. I actually grew up in South Florida and areas like in Hollywood saw um, almost 15 inches of rain um, near Pompano, uh, over towards the Pompano Beach area near 10 inches of rain. Uh, So a lot of areas in Broward County um, saw about a good seven to about 10 inches of rain in most spots. And that's a similar situation in Miami. Biscayne Park, 12.72. Uh, Miami Shores, close to 10 inches of rain. Um, over towards the Miami, Tamiami area, that's over towards Western Miami-Dade, uh, near nine inches of rain. So it was just a really big rainmaker for Southeast Florida, but even some of that heavier rain extended over the West coast of Florida as well, over towards the Fort Myers area near Sanibel Island, um, over eight inches of rain. Uh, Bonita Shores, 7.13 inches of rain. And then even on the East Coast, a little further up north, um, even rainfall totals over Vero Beach, over seven inches of rain. And when it comes to, even though this was mostly a rainmaker though, there are some reports here that there was some um, you know, sustained wind, some good winds where we saw wind gusts over 40 miles an hour. Um, I've seen some reports in Weston. That's actually the western portion of Broward County, 46 miles an hour. Um, and over into parts of, uh, um, I'm trying to see here, there's also some, dre- um, a large tree fell in Pompano. So even though this was a rainmaker, there was some damages when it comes to winds. Right, and I think that's an important note that you've, you've- kind of bring up here is that when we talk about these storms, tropical storm status, so clearly not the type of devastating winds that you would expect from a hurricane. It's it, these systems, what makes them dangerous is the amount of water that they drop, the, the rain making aspect of the system. You noted some of those totals, even for Florida, which is used to seeing a lot of rain compared to the rest of the United States. It's a tropical environment. Um, you know, you're talking about a foot of rain in some spots. That's that's way too much water in a short period of time in the flooding, especially in urban areas like Miami, um, it becomes catastrophic and and it's life-threatening very quickly. And that storm moving out, interesting, you had brought up too how a cold front came through or is coming through essentially as we're doing this podcast here and is moving this storm further out to sea. That brought a nice weekend for us here on the Delmarva Peninsula, but a little deceiving. You want to talk about what's going on, how Alex is still impacting our weather, or maybe not so much our weather, but the environment around us. So yeah, so this is also another thing we need to keep in mind, um, not just for Alex, but any tropical system. We talk about it every year, and it's uh, the indirect effect. And usually the indirect effect that we'll usually see here on Delmarva, and especially along the eastern seaboard, not just Delmarva, from Maine all the way down to Florida, is rip currents. And that's what um, Rich was mentioning. There's that was pretty much the only thing that you could say that was a bummer about the entire weekend, especially most or more so um, Sunday and now making our way into the midweek here is the fact that we had moderate rip currents because of Alex. And that's the thing you got to keep in mind. These storms are hundreds or even thousands of miles away out in the Atlantic, but its effects have a ripple effect that make their way towards the East Coast. Um, we talked about it in one of our podcasts last year when it comes to weather fatalities. When it comes to Southern Delmarva, the top weather-related fatality cause is rip currents. So, um, so just remember, if you're going to go out to the beach at any time throughout the summer or early fall, uh, you know, make sure to you know, take it seriously. Make sure to look for those flags. Uh, make sure there's a lifeguard. Um, and you know, always you know, swim with other people. Don't swim by yourself. But 
Really, when there's rip currents around, make sure to exercise extreme caution um, when it's a moderate, especially if it's a high. But right. Um, but yeah, definitely, like Rich mentioned, though, that is really that was the only thing that was wrong with this weekend in the last couple of days is the fact that we had the moderate rip current threat, and that's something to be mindful. The bigger these storms are. Um, the more of an impact that rip current threat will be here along the eastern seaboard. And we're right at the on the cusp of the swimming season, as I, I like to kind of call it here, because just a few weeks ago, the water temperatures were in the 50s, and it was just, you know, swim at your own risk simply because of how it felt. And now we've seen those numbers climb into the 60s. We're approaching the 70s, where I think more often than not, people are okay with getting in the ocean. And um, this past weekend, we started to see that a little bit, people venturing into the water. And, you know, we talked about with rip currents from storms, since we're not used to dealing with storms this early in the season, it's very atypical. We typically don't talk about the rip current as much, but uh, good to nail that uh, down from this weekend. I watched some of your uh, forecasts and on social media as well, Ulysses. You really drove that point home that with rip current, um, you know, we're talking about a storm that's so far away that we could have beautiful weather here, but that's still sending in that dangerous aspect of that storm mm -hmm. many, many uh, hours away from us. But we had to deal with storms here in Del Marva, and that's mm -hmm. something that on Thursday, just this past Thursday, um, we tracked across the area some big thunderstorms. We're in severe weather season. Of course, once we get into spring, we're in severe weather season all the way through fall with the risk for thunderstorms. But it was another event where most of the peninsula did see some heavy weather. There were a lot of high wind reports that came through that impacted uh, areas, especially in the southern part of the peninsula. Salisbury, for instance, took a lot of wind. I believe at the airport, it was close to a 60 mile per hour wind gust um, that the airport recorded. And a lot of reports from the Weather Service uh, coming out with uh, trees down, power lines down, um, some light wind damage reports as far as the trees were concerned. We weren't seeing anything too clustered or too uh, widespread. So that was some good news. But at the same time, it goes to show you that as we get into the hotter time of the year, the threat for downbursts, wet downbursts, where essentially you just kind of have a, you know, like a ball or a, a bucket of wind. And I hate to say it like that, but it's trying to uh, give you a visual of it. It's just that, that rain-cooled air that just seems to just fall out of the storm, hit the ground, and spread out. And that creates that really gusty, elongated, gusty wind that you sometimes deal with with thunderstorms as they're coming through. And that can produce damage that's similar to a small tornado. Uh, when you talk about wind speeds, especially 70 to 80 miles per hour, and that, that threat increases, that downburst or straight line wind threat, you sometimes hear us use that term, that increases this time of the year. And we saw that on Thursday across a lot of the peninsula. And it was very similar to the last couple of severe weather events too. That wind threat went all the way to the coast, all the way to the Delaware and Maryland beaches before we finally uh, saw those storms move out to sea. And that's actually what ended up leading into our beautiful weekend as the cold front came through. So. Um, that was an active time again. Um, it looks like that at least we're going forward. We have several days of nice weather, increasing humidity, your typical lead up to the beginning of summer. But as we start seeing some more of this phenomenon across the area, the different hazards we deal with, something cool, Ulysses, that I've been looking at on our website, WMDT.com. Go to the weather section to find this. You have gone over the past couple of years, I think, and recorded all sorts of explainers on any different weather phenomenon you can think of. And they're fantastic because whatever the weather situation, I feel like there's something I can find that you've done on our website. Um, and they're called Weather Tidbits. And if you're listening at home here, you've got to check this out, WMDT.com. 
you have a weather question, something you want explained in the visual, Ulysses probably has done a topic on that. So you want to check it out. And you've got one coming up here in a few days, correct? Yeah. So this week um, I'm going to be talking about, um, you know, just like the tropical climatology for um, the first two months of the season. So for June and July. So as uh, you know, where these storms develop during this time of the year. So as you saw with um, Alex, most of the time, these storms will usually tend to form in the northwestern portion of the Caribbean or into parts of the southern Gulf. So uh, that's why that area is more area of favorable development during the month of June. But I also talk about July as well. But usually those two months are usually your quieter months when it comes to hurricane season. It's really when we get to August and September and October. That's when we usually deal with the peak of hurricane season. And then the other one I'm going to talk about, the other topic I'm going to talk about is um, return period when it comes to hurricanes. So that's pretty much um, the average of when a hurricane or a tropical storm could be impacting your area within a 50 mile radius of your area. So obviously in that one, uh, you know, just, you know, based on the way, you know, the map is here, uh, areas obviously in Florida has one of the higher, um, Louisiana and Florida tend to be, have a higher, re, a lower return period, which means that they'll see it more frequently uh, you know, they'll see like a hurricane every X amount of years on average, you know, while here on Delmarva or even points north, it it can be, you know, once every 50 years or even once every 100 years or something. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. And, you know, it's just a small part of what you do, how you're focusing on these these aspects of our weather in real time that bring up questions and, and you know, you delve into the, the subject of it, but it's great that you have them stored on our website because you can always go back to it when we experience that phenomenon or that issue or we're that time of the year again. And you know, we're talking tropics at this point. Um, you've got stuff on winter weather, severe weather, um, anything to do with like the optics of the sun and the moon, anything you can think of, anything that you're interested in, check it out, wmdt.com. Ulysses Garcia, he has a section called Weather Tidbits, and all the videos are on there easily for you to peruse through and kind of find the subject that you're most interested in. And that leads me into uh, something that Sloan and I, uh, Sloan and I uh, said to the listeners out there that, hey, if you have a question, email us. Why not? You know, we can answer it here on the podcast, weather at 47abc.com, and actually do have a question from a listener. And this is uh, from Jeff Evans out of New Jersey. And he asks this weather question from just this past Thursday with the storms I was talking about that impacted us here. Mm -hmm. um, that impacted a lot of the East Coast. We had a lot of severe weather with a cold front moving through. And in his location in New Jersey, he was trying to track the storms. And his question was like, I'll paraphrase here, but he, he was asking, you know, I'm, I'm tracking the storms on radar on my phone. And I'm actually looking, instead of looking for the rain, I want to look for the wind. I want to look to see what you guys are looking at to track tornadoes. What is it that you're using on the radar? What is it that you're using that I can't find? So that's a good question because I think a lot of people have that. When you look at storms, you're tracking them on your radar, on your phone, you're looking at something called reflectivity mode, typically the rain or in the wintertime, the snow or, or ice or something like that. The reflectivity mode is simply the radar beam bouncing off of whatever that, that, that particle is that's flying through the sky or that object, better word for it, and the raindrop, if you will, and it bounces back. So think reflectivity, and that's what you see on your phone. What, what Jeff is asking about, what you want to look for if you're looking to track the wind speeds is something called velocity data. You want to look for just the word velocity or storm relative velocity, which is essentially velocity 
minus the movement of the storm. And you can find that on any of your favorite radar apps that allow you to take the radar data and change out the different versions of uh, what you're looking at. And basically, it's the same thing. You're tracking the storm, but you're looking at reds and greens usually. And it just shows you basically the speed of the wind either coming toward the radar or going away from the radar. And there's a lot to get into with that. You can find that information online. It's probably a little too much here for a podcast. We don't have visuals to be able to show you exactly how that works out. But to answer Jeff's question, if you're looking for wind to be able to track on your radar app, look for the velocity data. If you're looking at rain or tracking snow, you want reflectivity data. So love to hear your questions. Go ahead again and send them our way, weather at 47abc.com. We could try to answer them here on the podcast or at the very least get back to you via email. Um, we are all very easy to find and uh, we, we love to chat with you. You can also find us all on social media, myself, Ulysses Garcia, Sloan Haynes. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. So we would encourage you to hop on there and uh, follow us. You know, ask us a question and uh, continue to uh, at least give us your input on how the weather affects you locally, if not uh, from a national or world scale, anything that you're into. So, Ulysses, I'm going to throw it back to you if there's anything else you wanted to talk about or you think that we're looking good at this point. Well, I think, you know, I think uh, I hope everyone did take advantage of the great weather we had this past weekend. Right. I think the fact I did. I mentioned it on <laughs> air that where, um, you know, if we had this type of weather all the way through October or September, you know, I don't think anybody would complain about it. Um, because the fact that, like Rich mentioned earlier, um, we're going to see more of that humidity, more of that heat. So I hope everyone really just took advantage of it because it was just wonderful out there. Dew points, I was looking at dew points all weekend long. It was down into the 40s. Um, and even though we got an east wind on Sunday and even into Monday, it was still very comfortable outside. So, yeah, very nice um, weather. You know, uh, very nice weather. And, I, and, and, you know, you have to work the weekends a lot. So I hope you had a chance to at least get out and enjoy it before you came into the station, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I was able to enjoy it. You know, like, I mean, it just felt nice just even like walking outside, just like walking to my car right. and come here. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I really can't complain, you know. Well, it's nice to always have that drop in humidity. We probably won't have too many of these weekends to talk about for the rest of the summer um, because at this point, we, we look for more of just a cool down than anything. And I guess we're happy about that when we get a nice cool down. But with the drop in humidity, that's kind of a win for everybody, um, even if it's a warm day. And uh, just a few weeks away from the actual official start of summer. But we're going to go ahead and wrap it up again. We'd love to hear from you. Weather at 47abc.com. Send us an email. Talk to us about the podcast, what you'd like to hear, any weather questions you'd like answered. We, uh, we'd love to hear from you here at 47ABCWMDT. But until next time, I want to say goodbye and uh, join us again. We'll be back next week with another edition of WeatherWise here from the Weather Center at 47ABCWMDT. <laughs>